I catch myself like in mm-hmm. appreciation for the time that we live that we, everything has kind of been reduced to everything is in, it's in one package like yeah I, for for people are enthusiasts whether it be, whether it be a radio you can still buy a radio on Amazon you can still buy a CD player but I like the convenience mm-hmm. that comes with um even my phone like there's a oh, yeah. there's a recorder on it there's mm-hmm. iTunes there's there's or Spotify there's a means I can listen to oh, yeah. the um, to music that I want to listen to I don't have to wait for a DJ oh, to yeah. put on that song so I, I know, catch right? myself in 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 a state of really real like gratefulness or it's it's humbling when when you think about how it would have been 50 years ago or even at the start of the century and now we've yeah. got like nothing you're talking you were earlier you were talking about the formats in which media has existed through um laser disc vhs and now we're at this point where everything mm-hmm. is like invisible it's it's non-existent like yeah we're it's at just... that point where you could just uh, pretty much see it anywhere at any time kind of thing at easy access. Yeah. Like, I, I, I have a great appreciation for that. There we go. But at the same time, it's like, I, I like to have that nostalgic, you know. Of course. The, the I guess I would say struggle. <laughs> like, I don't know. For Part of me likes to have that luxury but at the same time there's moments throughout a week where I'm like you know it's interesting having to dig around for that one song in my record player and then put it on the turntable you know it's just that you get that feeling of how it was like I I know that there were probably people out there with large record uh, collections where they dig through like hundred uh, records just to listen to one song, you know? Um, and I mean, man, DJs back in the day, like, y- you might laugh, but I'm talking about like 10 or 11 feet of just wax vinyls. Really? Like, we're talking like the 30, like the 1910s, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and early, mid-60s. Like, it wasn't uncommon for a DJ to have four or five turntables in a row and like one vinyl then the next and then the next and uh if somebody in the room across from you is brought like getting ready to do a live like in the 40s they would all gather around a microphone to do a live read off the sheet the advertisement over radio or like do a show uh like the lone ranger or whatever and then the DJ, four, five records in a row, one after the next, you know? And sometimes they would have this thing to pause the song so they can talk about the last song they played uh, or a song coming up. And I always find it fascinating when I see pictures. I've seen pictures of where they have like eight or nine, even ten feet just stacked of records of like what they're going to be playing that day. And a day for them was like 36 hours. 
like some of the DJs back then, they ran on coffee and pure adrenaline, a lot of them. Like a 36-hour straight shift. Wow. Like, it wasn't uncommon. It was just like, damn. You know, it's like, how does one do that? But now, nowadays, it's very easy because you just have iPod, you just scroll with your finger, click song with your finger, and it plays. You know, it's very... It, it's the contrast between the two. It's very interesting to see how things have developed. Absolutely. Uh, you know, like... it. Uh, the uh, Society has come quite a, quite a far away from uh, how it was. Uh, yeah, just just insane. Um, I do I do have an iPod myself. Uh, hey. That's a thousand or so songs. I know, right? A thousand songs uh, in your pocket. You can listen to any I know, right? time. I know, right? <laughs> or just like, if I want to, I can hook it up to that Bluetooth speaker and just like, oh man. Dude, I, a few days ago, I was in the middle of a laundry mat. Uh, like, okay, I was out on a walk, and my dog peed all over his leash, and I quickly needed to wash it because it was stinking. And I was taking him on a walk, so I quickly went to a laundry mat just to quickly, you know, wash it. And he was sitting in my lap, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to play a song. And I just had my... Bluetooth speaker, which was a little thing. <laughs> I never got to hear Die Woody's laundry <laughs> mat. Oh my god. Because oh. uh, I didn't have my earbuds, I'd forgotten them. And I had my Bluetooth speaker just by mere chance. And I was like, you know what? Grandma over there, you're getting a blast to the 80s. You know, just. And she looked over at me, she, she said, who's that singing? Singing. I said it's the Die Woodies, uh, and it's. She's like, "Oh, okay. What's she singing?" <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, it's two guys, it's two guys singing it's... in German." <laughs> she said, "Oh, okay. I thought it was uh, Dutch." And I was like, "No, no, it's not a Dutch one singing." Uh, it was great, but she liked it. Oh. She liked it, and she asked me to write it down for her. And she had to have been at least in her sixties. Like it was it was I don't know. It it was interesting. Because I was just waiting there. I threw his uh lead into the dryer and he was just sitting there on my lap dryer, just <laughs> staring at her. I, I think I'd mentioned he was a rescue dog. He every time she moved or coughed, he just growled at her. <laughs> uh man. It's it's great. Heck yeah. Oh man! Now was this an uh, iPod yeah. Classic or was it what kind of iPod was it? N nano. Ah, na the Nano had Bluetooth capabilities. I wait. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's the the touchscreen Nano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I got that as a graduation gift from high school. Hey, nice. Um, we okay. I would, like I had mentioned before, I was on the high school wrestling team. We were all going to go to graduation or singlets, but I thought, you know what? No, <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. And 
Um, my friend Tyler, he he was the only one who actually did it. <laughs> and, and everyone's like, nah, we're not going to do it. And we assumed he got the memo. And he showed up in his wrestling gear. <laughs> and I was like, dude, you need to get something on because we said we weren't going to do it. He said that he slept like, he's like, dude, I slept in. I didn't even get that message. And I was like, uh, so literally he went and quickly got into a suit at his house. Luckily, he didn't live too far from there. We didn't do the uh, graduation ceremony at school. We did it at the uh, local uh, movie theater. Oh. And we just, there was a stage. Yeah, it was a weird, it, okay, back in the day, it used to be like, uh, vaudeville, like used to do vaudeville. Yeah. And then they converted it to a, a movie theater in the 40s. Uh, they used, they called it the Capitol Theater. Uh, it was made, I think, 1913 or so. And they used to do vaudeville acts. And then in the 30s, they converted it to a movie theater. So it still has a stage. So we would come out from behind the movie screen area. And we were going up, you know, the shake the principal's hand, get the thing, walk off the other side of the stage. <laughs> and luckily, he didn't live too far from there. Because that would have been funny if he walked out in his <laughs> just like... Mm. <laughs> you know, but that that would have been classy. Um, the history that some was, buildings have. I know, right? Man, uh, it, it's just like you know. I'm not, if that stage could talk, I uh, the amount of stuff that, like acts and stuff that would have been on there. You know what Valdeville is, right? It's like a independent theater almost, right? Uh, kinda. It, it was. Um, they they'd have different things like back then. The the sense of humor was really di different from now. Oh, definitely. Uh, they don't have the kind of uh, people <laughs> would rip a gut to uh, why the chicken cross the road. Oh my! Like they rip guts to that. <laughs> Whereas now we're just like, huh? <laughs> the, 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 the dad jokes of back then got everyone laughing but it's like and then they'd have singing acts um, and sometimes dance uh, tap dancing what have you um, <laughs> and it's just like sometimes like animal uh, performances like dancing jumping dogs or whatever that's pretty much what vaudeville uh, was, just uh, local uh, entertainment. Um, but, yeah, it... Man, they like... I don't even think they do... I think they might do vaudeville still in, like, some parts of the U.S. or Canada, but I haven't seen any... Uh, huh. But, yeah, it, it's interesting how they used to do that back then. That um, thing you just said about animals, I don't know if that would fly nowadays. Because, and, and thank goodness for awareness, but is that animal being taken care of? Is it being fed? Is it oh yeah. getting its um, medications and stuff? 
Oh, I know, right? Ah, oh, man. I think the last show to do animal performances at a great scale, I'd like to say it was the Ed Sullivan show. Do you know what that show is? Are you Are you familiar with that? I think I've come across a few clips of it on YouTube as well as the Wikipedia page. I, it's, I, I like YouTube. I like Wikipedia. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> where I... Oh, yeah. It's where I find things in passing, but Edward Sullivan. Yes. Uh, yeah, the Ed Sullivan show, like, it started in the 50s and went all the way up until the 80s. Like, oh, it had... I know, right? Um, and I think it was the late 80s... No, early or late 80s, so sometime in the 80s that the show ended, uh, obviously, because he'd passed on, but... Uh, man, it's just like he had all kinds of shows. He had foreign choirs, performing bears. Yes, I've seen an episode where he had performing bears. Wow. I'm not even kidding. Yeah, he had performing giraffes, walruses, seals, monkeys, dogs, cats, uh, comedians, singers of all kinds of different shapes and forms. Uh, all over the world, even. Uh, circus stuff, uh, right on his stage. Uh, actually, the Beatles, when they came to America, that they were first on the Ed Sullivan show. <laughs> that was where they first went, yeah. He had Beatles, both the band um, and the animal. Yeah, Rachi, <laughs> Bad joke. don't laugh. They, they actually, uh, no, you're not wrong, though. They did have performing ants. On the Ed oh. Sullivan show back in 1962. Performing yeah, ants. a guy would... Yeah, basically he would have them march in a row and up different obstacles. Yeah, wow. in a row. I don't know how that guy did it. I forget his name, but it was in the early 60s. He, he was on a few times, and he would just have this stick of some sort, and they would follow it in a row all the way up different obstacles, through obstacles... And they would just follow it around on this little table. Um, yeah, it was it was just insane. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, no, but the performing bears, like, <laughs> you, you figure that's just something you hear about in the circus. But no, like, I've seen it in the mid-60s. Like, uh, I think it was a colored video. He, he had like bears that were in uh, tutus and like human clothes and they were like doing different uh, dance, like jumping and through serving and coffee, stuff. doing backflips. Oh, serving coffee, I wish. I did see one um, in a little car, like it was a cub, uh-huh. a little motor car thing, like a, like a toy car kind of thing. And just going around <laughs> in that, it was funny. Um, one of the most interesting um, people, I'd say comedians for sure, to be on the Ed Sullivan Show. Are you are you familiar with uh, Richard Pryor? Of course. Oh my goodness! Yes. Um, my he was on the Ed com- Sullivan Show. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What a what a what a force of nature, Richard Pryor. I know, right? It, he did a. He did one in the 69 or 1970 on the Ed Sullivan show. It was a uh, 
comedy uh, skit that he did uh, called The Black Man for President. Wow. And it was just basically him saying, like, how, you know, if he was president, or, uh, you know, what it would be like. And I don't know who was in office at that time, but it was it was funny. Wow. You know? Yeah. Richard, like, he took the moment. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Richard Pryor was awesome and inspired a lot of comedians. Uh, Eddie Murphy... Uh, Bill yep. Burr, to name a few, but really, mm-hmm. his stuff his stuff's great. Oh, it is. Uh, I've seen a lot of stuff that he was in that was pretty good. I, have you ever seen the movie The Toy? No, I I know he was in Superman, uh, two. Yes, uh, Superman was it two or three? I think I was on the Wikipedia page. What was it? Two. It probably was too. I'm not sure, but I know he was in one of them. Uh, you, you, you'd like that. Uh, Richard Pryor was in uh, the movie uh, The Toy with Jackie Gleason. Okay. Um, really funny movie. Uh, he was also in a movie with Gene Wilder, and there was a video essay online that was talking about how Gene Wilder has this naturalistic way of going about things. I'm, I'm going to butcher this if someone does find the video, but I know, right? This movie—I forgot the, what the movie was—but it featured Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. And from this video essay, it was showing that both personalities, even though they contrasted on screen, well, he was talking mm-hmm. about how their contrasting performances actually made the movie the the performance now they were they were, I think they were friends off stage but Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder would oh, continue yeah. to make more movies and just the chemistry that people have is it really one Are you referring to Blazing Saddles? Not Blazing Saddles. Oh, okay. Was Richard Pryor huh. in Blazing Saddles? I think so. He may have made Very a briefly. Yeah, but, yeah, Richard Pryor. Rest in peace. Yeah. Man, he was he was something else. I'm trying to think of... Uh... Eddie Murphy's another... Have you seen Eddie Murphy's stand, stand-up? It is... Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is phenomenal. He oh, is man. hilarious. Raw is, and I think uh, Delirious are probably are monumental. They're 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 great. I I was oh, there yeah. was a phase in uh, 2020 where I had this obsession like with comedians, and it's it's an interesting mm-hmm. job making people laugh because especially in today's climate we we need people to to make us laugh oh yeah like uh that reminds me a famous quote from a movie um it was said by roger rabbit of all people he said you know eddie the most powerful thing in the world sometimes can be laughter absolutely sometimes making somebody laugh can be the most powerful weapon there is and that that that's so true, you know. Absolutely. Like, it it's we live in a society where laughter can be very important. I agree. And 
I, uh, I think some people don't get enough of it. Um, Agreed. In their life. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, that because that reminds me. Richard, by the way, I I don't think it was in uh, Blazing Saddles. I, I don't mean to divert back, but I, it's going to bother me. You're good. Are you thinking of See No Evil, Hear No Evil? Was it a comedy? Because that was one. Or was it with? Uh... It was a movie uh, with him, Giant Gene Wilder, and Richard Pryor. That I think that was the one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm, I'm looking at it, I'm like, is this the one? Because they weren't in many movies together, I don't think. But okay. I know that they were both in that one. Um, Richard Pryor. Uh, one movie I liked that he was in with uh, Eddie Murphy uh, was Harlem Nights. All right. If you've ever, se- if you've never seen that, I highly recommend. I'll even watch it with you. It's an amazing movie. It I'll has uh, those two. Oh, yeah. It has those two. I don't know if you know who it is, but Red Fox. Do you know who that is? I'll have to do some research. Uh, he did an amazing TV show in the 70s uh, called uh, Sanford and Son. Okay. Man, that was hilarious. Uh, man, uh, I could go on for hours about Sanford and Son. That was an amazing show. Um, but no, he's in that movie. And so you've heard of Della Reese, the mu- musician? You got me there. Uh, she was a musician in the 60s, uh, but she's in that movie as well. Um, but yeah, Richard Pryor in the movie plays Eddie Murphy's dad. So, wow. You know, uh, yeah, it's a really good movie. I highly recommend. Um, man. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's a good movie. Maybe I'm trying to think. so uh, much. You're, you're well cultured, mm-hmm. and from not just from contemporary times, but from history. You know times and places and people. You are a very well versed individual. Was well, thank you. At what was the earliest um. Do you re- do you recall your earliest um, point where you realized, okay, this is when did the passion begin for this search and um for this passion for history? Do you know where it um, came uh, from? It's funny you bring that up. Uh, okay, so when I was eight years old, right? I don't know why, but I suddenly, I can't really explain it myself, but I suddenly had this interest in music from the 40s. Have I heard it? Had I heard it before, really? Not really. And I don't know why, but all of a sudden I just had this feeling of like wanting to listen to that sort of music. And I couldn't really explain it. And my brother and my mom were talking. This is when I was young, obviously. And they were talking in the kitchen. And they were discussing me. I wasn't really paying attention. uh, But I, because I was in the other room playing my N64. And 
my brother was like, oh, no, no, he doesn't like grandpa's music. My grandfather, uh, I believe I heard one song from back then, and I just got hooked on it from eight onwards, and it just kind of unraveled from there. But it's funny, uh, the story behind it, it's, I'd heard it, and since then, I just didn't want to listen to anything but that at the time. And my brother was like, oh, no, no, he likes the Backstreet Boys. And like, cause that was what was like really popular. And oh, no, he likes Shaggy. Mind you, I, mind you, I did like Shaggy and, and uh, some Backstreet Boys uh, stuff at the time. Uh, but it wasn't my go-to. Right. And it's just like, my mom was like, no, no. Uh, no, he likes... Uh, Glenn Miller and the Andrew sisters. He's like, oh, come on. He doesn't like grandpa's music. So they took me to Walmart. And my brother uh, had a school job, right? And he's like, I will tell you what. We'll take uh, Mitch to the CD aisle in Walmart. And he can pick whatever CD he wants. And if I win, you pay for the CD, mom. And if... I if you went, I'll pay for it. So <laughs> my brother told me to go into the Walmart uh, with them. So I did, and they said you can pick out any CD you like. And my dad was at work at the time, right? So um, we, we the three of us went in, and I went down the aisle, looked up and down the CDs for about twenty minutes or so. I remember very clearly, and I just picked out Glenn Miller. Hey, brought it up, <laughs> and my brother was shocked. My mom already knew what I was going to pick, roughly. But I heard the song once, and I just it it kind of raveled into the interest of history. Yeah, because it, uh, based off that, I'd heard the song once, and it just kind of raveled into that. And it was just they were different times. Like the the history in the 30s and 40s, yeah. Uh, like I'm only 27, and it's just like the the automobiles, like the radios, the clothing style, uh, the cartoons, movies, uh, the lingo, even. Uh, it just it was so simplified. Yet at the same time, there was things were very wholesome and very straightforward and to the point with things like films. I've noticed like, for me at least, like acting is good nowadays. It really is. Uh, like, even if they don't feel the emotions, you can see it. But for me at least, in my opinion, some of the films from back in the 30s and 40s, a lot of the actors and actresses, they talk about forcing themselves to feel those emotions, whereas not pretending to. Yeah. And wow. and so there was like a bit of a study done that if they wanted to feel angry, sad for the part, they would remember something that made them feel those emotions yes. to project those emotions. Yes. And uh, John Ford, if you know that uh, director he was uh, one of the people who really pressed that idea of not pretending to feel the emotions that if you have to play a role where you're very mad and angry, remember something that made you angry, whether somebody ran over your toe 
somebody uh, took your lawn gnome. And he actually said that in the interview uh, that I was watching. Like, I was like, you know, that pretty much is how I feel. Like, a lot of people back then, they just really forced themselves to feel these emotions. Absolutely. Um, the best they could. Uh, acting nowadays is great. I love it. Like, we watched... Uh, Sonic 2 just a few days ago. Heck the yeah. acting was phenomenal. But for me at least, I could tell to a point that it just kind of seemed forced, the emotions. It didn't seem as genuine. But maybe that's just uh, my perspective. It's okay. a little biased. But, of course, of course. Uh, but but uh, yeah. Um, one movie that You've heard of um, "It's a Wonderful Life," nineteen forty-six, right? The, I need to see that movie. I've held off that movie for a while. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to watch the movie. The movies that have been put, you know, on hold. I'm starting to watch, like the Breakfast Club. I finally saw. Um, which other movie? I know, right? Did I see? It'll come to me. But I've been meaning to watch the Goonies. And I've been meaning to watch. Hey. It's a, it's a what? Yes, those movies. Yes, those movies that people quote all the I know, time. Right? I'm finally getting around to, and I will I know, watch. Right? Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. Oh, um, Miyazaki films. I, mm-hmm. I finally started watching those. Well, oh, nine, yeah. month, nine months ago, but you get the mm-hmm. idea. It's a Wonderful Life. But you're oh, yeah. talking about the acting in. Encouraging the individuals to really search not just their emotions but their experiences. This is actually psychology because how I remember things is how I felt at that time. And mm-hmm. I agree with you because sometimes I, I lose my phone all the time. But while I'm while I have my phone or while I have something there's a good time there's a good chance I'm also carrying an emotion with me usually remembering something and whenever mm-hmm. I lose something in addition to tracing my steps back tracing my emotions back because I feel that <laughs> remembering how you felt um takes you back um to where you were but I digress it's a wonderful life mm-hmm. oh yes Need to see it. Yeah, it's, that, it's been I've been putting it off yeah. all too long. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, if you remember uh, December ish, uh, when Christmas comes around, we sh- we should definitely watch it. I've seen it both black and white and colorized. There's a colorized version. But... Hmm. I did not know. Yeah. It. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, the the one scene towards the end. I always tear up and cry because I can feel the emotions that Jimmy Stewart, he, I've seen, I have behind the scenes uh, because I really like the movie and uh, on the DVD I have, he was remembering his mother at the time that they were doing that scene and him crying. Like, man, he just seeps those emotions. Like I, I can feel it through the screen kind of thing. I know that sounds uh, maybe cliche, but it's like, man, like he was leaking those emotions, like in that scene. It was the scene, uh, well, I won't go into great detail because I know you haven't seen it, but 
it was right towards the end uh, when they were singing uh, Auld Lang Syne. It was just like, holy moly. It's just like the emotions, like he's just seeping. And and in the uh, behind the scenes, he had mentioned at that moment to get those joyous and sad emotion mixed, he thought of his mother. And I was just like, damn. You know, it's like that that like being able to do that as an actor or actress bringing forward those sort of emotions can really bring a movie to life you know and make it a good movie sure the acting or what's said in them are the context of the movie the content sure that all helps but if an actor or an actress cannot portray the emotions properly it it just seems forced and like you're reading off a page, you know, like it just doesn't bring it out like forward, you know, like, Absolutely. you know what I'm saying? I, like, I, I agree. I think there's a difference in an act. Now acting is acting and there are people that are excellent at it, but I do believe there's a difference between reading from the script and then reading and this this is going to be a little controversial projecting your yeah. self as this character, like understanding yeah. where this character is coming from. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Like putting yourself in the position of that character and leaking your emotions into that character. Like it really drives it home. Of course there are movies out there where they really don't need emotions. Um, and it kind of loops back to what we were first talking about, but a good movie example. Uh, this movie was actually pulled out of theaters, the one I'm about to talk about, within the first week. From, oh. Within the first week, they pulled it right out of theaters. And they canceled it all across movie theaters. Uh, and they banned it from being played in the theaters. Whoa. And it's it, it was considered a B-movie. Uh, it came out in the 80s. Do you know what movie it is, before I tell you? You got me there. We need to watch it, by the way. Uh, if you're not queasy. Do you usually get queasy? You know, I'm selective with what I watch. Um, that That's just... It's me. not like gore. Okay. It's um, Garbage Pail Kids. It was pulled <laughs> out of theaters within the first week. Uh, and it was because people were vomiting in the theaters, <laughs> women and children. Oh my uh, goodness. Yeah. It, when it came out in theaters, within the first week, people were like, oh, okay, well, maybe this is like a new musical <laughs> or a kid's movie. You know, it, it, it wasn't geared towards kids. Uh, and the kids, like, there were... Okay, the the whole thing about garbage pail kids, it it was a spoof of the cabbage patch yeah. kids. Yeah. And uh the the part that most people got up out of the theater after feeling nauseous was don't, don't. Peter Pim I was gonna Okay. Yeah. I wanna be spoiled. I wanna be surprised. 
I want to watch the movie. Like, okay, oh, like, so that's what he like feel. <laughs> so no spoilers. Ah uh, man. Okay. I, I, yeah. Uh, we'll watch it. Though. No, no, no worries. But we should I, watch it this weekend. My tendency is the less I know about a movie, the more I am inclined to watch it. So. <laughs> oh yeah, the musical was great though. There was a like musical. it was like it was technically no it was te- well they the characters in the movie sang songs it was like <laughs> sort of in the same genre as a little shop of horrors yeah but the remake classic. of course the well the eighties one was technically a remake but uh um but yeah like it was like that kind of like level of like musical like they they'd be talking or whatever and then suddenly break into song it was like that <laughs> I actually had seen and it's it's astounding like they didn't even need to do proper acting for like a movie like that <laughs> like Garbage Pail Kids it was just you had to pretty much I guess just like it's one of those movies where you didn't really have to put much emotion into it yeah it bad well not bad it's a great example basically it was just had to like look scared or look shocked grossed out or whatever and people bought it uh i think there was only like i think it was something crazy like 35 percent of people stayed in the theaters right to the (laughs) end of the movie wow (laughs) and yeah and it's crazy because after the movie came out, it was still a B movie, but people had to buy more of the cards. Like the cards came out before the movie did, and they had yeah. to buy more cards, buy the lunchbox, yeah, like yeah. the vinyl record. It's like <laughs> it's just like the holiday vinyl. Oh my! Don't laugh. There was a Christmas album. I the Christmas album. That's what it's called. <laughs> yes yeah the garbage filled christmas hits yeah it's actually a thing uh in 1989 they actually came up with an album oh right I'll the disappointment you that you get when you're like hey dad after um what's his face um who uh Christmas singer after Frank Sinatra is hey dad can we put on uh, garbage pill kids and that false sure <laughs> just like right, oh at, right after uh, this stack of CDs uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god um, uh, there was one song on the on the, on that called Booger Bells Oh my goodness! Yeah. Oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> uh, just, just and then like, it begs why? the question: the writers and the people in the studio, like, just uh, like oh, I, I, I can't. I, Josh, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Jacob. Yeah, no, right? You just made like... a commitment. You signed a contract. <laughs> Sing the song. <laughs> It's just like, what what brings one to do that? You know, like uh, one of the songs I'll admit it, it with was catchy. Emotions. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> 
Oh my god. This I'll admit one of the songs it was catchy. I'll admit that in the movie. But aside from that, like I've watched now, it's like what am I watching? <laughs> like Oh man. Just like it, it was about as good as uh, Killer Cla- uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, like that '80s hey, movie. Yeah, have you seen that? I I need to. <laughs> yeah, it's I, I one of those cliches. It. Yeah. Oh man, some of the '80s horror movies. Man, I love them. I like they. They ended up being like, what am I watching? Uh, like. Killer Tomatoes, the attack of the Killer Tomatoes, like that critters. The first critters, it was like, what am I watching here? It's just like, you know, uh, some of them, it was, it, it was just insane. Um, trying to think of another one. My that favorite, was just, um, wacky, mm-hmm? B, a B-rated movie, Shock Treatment. From yours truly, Richard O'Brien, who also did the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Now, people say, well, I don't know if people say, but the Rocky Horror Show is a cult classic. So, oh yeah, there's this level of fandom, and then there's like, okay, it's a cult classic. The movie I'm about to tell you has an even smaller but cult um following, with yours truly also being a fan Shock treatment. Now, this mm-hmm. is a very unpopular opinion, what I'm about to say, but I prefer shock treatment oh, yeah. over the Rocky Horror Picture Show for its campiness. Right. And in the movie, you there are songs, and I don't know. There's something about it that just seems genuine. That that just that it feels like I I can't explain it. Like they had. Right. despite the low budget but it's yeah it was i've not seen shock treatment it i feel that this movie predicted modern television because i i don't know how television was in, in terms of interviews and peeking into personal lives but the premise of this movie is that you have these two lovebirds who are who attend a show and they're they're pulled from the audience, and they are the new. They're the new stars mm-hmm. of this live show. So, it's it's all on set, and their personal lives are just being monitored, like almost voyeuristic voyeurism. I don't know the word, but I feel that okay. this movie kind of predicted the future in which now everything about a celebrity is exposed is is out in the open or it we don't even have to go to celebrity i think our personal um lives are now in public Mm -hmm. and i feel that this movie kind of captured that for the time that it was made i don't know if it predicted um streaming well i kind of digress but it's that exploitive nature that these people are still living lives but that's that was the message that oh, I yeah. got from shock treatment. B movie, you may like it, you may hate it. I love it, but it's it's fantastic. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it, 
I mean, they sort of do exploiting nowadays. Absolutely. Look at Dr. Phil. Look at Jerry Springer. Yeah, I like movies that have um, longevity to them, where ah, years yes. after they are released, you can look back and find some parallel from the time it was made to modern times. I think, to me, those movies, I, I find them valuable. Oh yeah, it's just like I, I've I've seen movies like that before. Uh, it's just like B movies that last because of their cult classicness, the security and low budget in them is just outlasts time itself. Everyone knows of Indiana Jones, but. Heck yeah. What about Killer Clowns from Outer Space? That right. will always live. You know? Sure, you can make a yes. hundred thousand uh, Indiana Jones, but there will only ever be one Killer Clowns from Outer Space. They've never touched that since then. You know? It's like um, one... Okay, they made a series of three movies. Uh, you, you've probably seen them. If not, we should see them. Um... Have you seen the Bruce Campbell uh, three movies, Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and Army of Darkness? I've seen the first one, so <laughs> finally a movie I've seen. Evil Dead? I saw Evil uh, Dead, Sam yeah, we need to... Yes. Um, classic. Um, I know, right? Oh, man. The second one and the third one, Army of Darkness. I will fight anyone over that. Army of Darkness, that... That, my friend, is gold. You when Okay, when Ash <laughs> smashes a skeleton, you can see the plastic bones just fl fl flying by him. Wow. Like, they, they, they don't even hide it in the third one. They want you to see the, the... Like, the first one was meant to be serious. Then they were like, eh, Sam Raimi was like, yeah, nah, eh, no. It was semi-serious, but comedic at the same time. And then the third one, he was like, do we really need to hide the plastic skeletons anymore? Do we do we really need to? It's like, and he just didn't hide it. And like, man, and the TV show that he came out with, Sam Ramey, like, that was amazing too. If you've never seen the TV show, highly recommend it, it is amazing. How does it go um, to it's the called Ash versus the Evil Dead? Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, versus Ash versus Evil Dead. It it was really good, actually. Uh, it it holds up fairly well, and it keeps true to the uh, first three movies. Like it's like if they were going to make a fourth movie, it would have been that TV series. That's how good it is. Wow! Like. They constantly make references and show representations of the first three movies. And they kept the original cabin oh, wow. from the first two movies. Yeah, they like it's an actual house, uh, Groma. That uh, somebody <laughs> lent that to Sam Ramy. Wow. For the first two movies and then the TV show. Well, the third movie as well, Army of Darkness. But it's just like. Man, and 
even like the small characters in the first and second one is like those characters you like in the first one the hillbilly you remember him with the overalls yeah in the tv show they make few references back to him that cliche guy that was in there for only a short period of time wow you know like they pay really close attention to detail and bring everything full circuit for full circle to life you know and it's just like man it's it's amazing like they've even made video games uh on steam Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I think there's one that they're going to be adding to Steam, but right now it's not on Steam. It's called uh, The Evil Dead or something, and it has Ash Williams you can play as. Fascinating, fascinating. Wow. It's always you know, good to like, see works that, like, pay attention to de- – well, that give – that build off the original universe. Yeah, it's like Yeah, it's like it's one of those movies where it's like man the circumstances made the uh, product. It, yeah, yeah, it's just like just a low budget. It's like it's weird because it's just made the movie, you know? It's like... Yeah. Yeah, like, um, I'm trying to think of the, um, the thing, um, um, another movie that I think you'd like is, uh, if you've not already seen it, um, the uh, critters. Have you seen critters? You know, I've seen the poster, and it's like these little figures with like sharp teeth and like red eyes. I'm like, this looks like. <laughs> it was a B movie classic. <laughs> they made a second one, right? And a third, and a fourth. Wow. The, the second one was uh, good. Uh, third one was. Meh. The fourth one was no, just no. It was the same thing with the movie Leprechaun. After the first two, it was like, what are you doing here? Come on. And then the number four was, I just, I watched it, but it was like. It just didn't hit. Yeah, it was like, what are you doing here? It was called Leprechaun from Outer Space. <laughs> <laughs> it was like come on there was Leprechaun Leprechaun 2 Leprechaun 3 and then Leprechaun from outer space I mean like come on you're reaching her. I want to time travel and be invisible to the time they gave the title reveal where they were at a table like this everyone had their own stapled um, copy to read the script a script reading and they pick up the script and they read Leprechaun 4 Leprechauns from outer space, and the control they must have had when they put it down, and like, it's just really? like, <laughs> like, yeah, it's just like, I, the, 
the, uh, the only thing I liked about the fourth one was the references to the old John Wayne Western movies. There was one scene in Leprechaun 4 that I could even consider to remember. Uh, but Andy, I don't know how he did it. He did an amazing, like, okay, you know who played Leprechaun, right? You got me there. Okay, have you seen the movie Willow? Okay. In the 80s? Remember the main character, the small uh, uh, midget man the, the with the long hair? Okay. Like, he played the leprechaun in the movies. The guy who played Willow in the movie, that he played the leprechaun. And the, he, when he had John Wayne's voice, it was, holy moly, it was like, is this... <laughs> John Wayne. I know, right? John Wayne. Have you ever seen a John Wayne movie? I don't think so. I've been meaning to. There's. I have this back. We should watch one. We will. I've been meaning to watch movies or more. Oh yeah. (laughs) The good, the bad. No, that's Clint Eastwood, or is that John Wayne? That's Clint Eastwood. No, that's Clint Eastwood. Okay. Um, a fistful of dollars. Is that Clint Eastwood or John Wayne? That's Clint Eastwood. Okay. Uh, and then the, he did a sequel called A Fist for a Few Dollars More. Oh, that wow. That was a sequel to A Fistful of Dollars, yeah. Wow. What, what, what's the, what's the, what's the landmark film that John Wayne starred in? I should know this. I should know at least a few films. Um, I, I'm turning out he, blank right now. I embarrassed myself. No, no, don't, no worries. Um, I'd have to say the movie that he's he got an Academy Award for, uh, but he, in my opinion, he should have got them for quite a few more movies. But the movie that he is most remembered for is True Grit. The- original 1969 movie true grit with him and glenn campbell that's right true grit haven't seen did you know who was offered that uh uh before glenn campbell did you know who was offered that uh role elvis presley but he turned it down because john wayne's name was going to be for appearing first in the opening credits elvis presley he turned it down, so Glenn Campbell took it. <laughs> Elvis Presley has his own imp- impressive catalog of movies that he starred in as well. I, yeah, some of them were really good, but for me, I some of the singing beach movies were kind of <laughs> like it was like kind of. Mm-hmm. It's like one movie that I just couldn't sit down and enjoy was his nineteen sixty two movie Kissing Cousins. Oh my goodness, that that title did not age well. <laughs> yeah, and that's what it's about. Goodness gracious. Wow. Presley, yeah, why? Yeah. Why you do this? Why do you do this? <laughs> The only movie that I liked, and ironically, he didn't sing in the movie at all, huh. was a Western 
Oh. And he actually, he, he was really, really good in it. It was called Chiro. Okay. Really good uh, Western movie. I'll check it it out. takes place uh, just post-Civil War, like 1866. Like, the war had just ended, the U.S. Civil War. And he plays uh, a guy who was a former Confederate artilleryman. Yeah. And he just wants to move on and live his life but his old unit keeps trying to get him to go back and you know fight on and he just wants to say it's like no <laughs> it's actually a really good movie a really good movie um my favorite yeah it's spelled c-h-a-r-o gotcha uh really really good movie um he did a few movies that were kind of, eh? but Chiro, like two thumbs up. And ironically, that came out the same year uh, as True Grit, 1969. Wow. As a matter of fact, I think as soon as you turned down. <laughs> Chroma. Chroma. The 60s Chroma. were real. They're real. Phenomenal yeah. time for movies. I was just thinking about. I'm I'm gonna get corrected here. Uh two thousand one is Space Odyssey. Oh yeah. And what the other movies that this is uh, a yeah. time for movies. I think Vertigo was also from that time. No. Yeah, nineteen sixty uh four. Yeah. Yep. You also got uh With Jimmy Psycho. Psycho was 1960, yeah. Actually, did you know uh, for the scene in the shower they used uh, chocolate syrup because it was in black and white? Yes. Yeah. I wrote a small essay and the about most... that movie. Um, I think mm -hmm. how... What was my paper about? It was discussing the relationship between the main character and his mother. Man, I forgot what I wrote about, but Alfred Hitchcock, phenomenal. Psycho, phenomenal movie. Well shot, well acted. Oh, yeah. Uh, there was quite a few uh, 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 Alfred Hitchcock movies I found. Um, uh, by the way, uh, did you know... Uh, again, this is purely uh, um, opinionated. Uh, some people believe, some don't. But Alfred Hitchcock... Uh, actually stayed at that house uh, where Psycho, you know, the big mansion uh, the night before filming and he said that his bed was lifted four feet off the floor and dropped that sounds like and he saw a... uh, spirits he, he said it was very haunted and a lot of people, locals believed it was but uh, whether that's true or not that's again up to the people's opinion <laughs> Sounds like such but, a Hitchcock uh, thing to do. Yeah, like, not even that. Like, he's not the first one to do that. Like, you know Stephen uh, King? Yes. Um, when, Before he wrote the book The Shining, he stayed in that actual hotel where it was filmed, and it was haunted. And he stayed there. And he almost, uh, according to what he had said, I... Me personally, I'm a believer in uh, ghosts. Some don't. Uh, but he had said that he almost died there. Oh, my goodness. He saw an, a man with 
an axe and he said he saw him come right through the bed and start strangling him he said he could feel it yeah like he said that place was haunted and so we filmed a movie there with Jack Nicholson (laughs) and uh (laughs) Shelley Duvall and it's just like hmm and so he took the stories that he had heard about you know the haunting there and he put that into the movie to make the horror movie so everything that you see in the movie is just from what people have passed down in terms of stories uh, yeah it was a really really good movie um, whether you believe in that sort of stuff or not that's you know it's it's yeah it's definitely a good movie if you've seen it Jack Nicholson's a nut man in that movie uh, I know He's right great. Uh, okay oh so you have seen it of course oh yeah the remember the oh man yes there's a sequel As that was released um, I think five years ago really yeah Dr. Sleep starring you and McGregor yeah oh I didn't even know that huh yeah Dr. Yeah, Sleep Dr. Sleep yes Oh, another movie I really want to watch with you. It's really, really good. Uh, it just couldn't use Dr. Sleep. It reminded me of that. Um, but I'll finish what I'm going to say about The Shining first. That part where it gets up from the typewriter uh, with Shelley DeVolt standing behind them and starts coming towards her talking about uh, uh, losing concentration. That That was just like, whoa. You know, it's like, man, like, just... I don't know. It felt like you really... Like, remember me telling you uh, just uh, not too long ago about, like, projecting those emotions? Right. He, he really projected those angry emotions. Because if you see that scene, it, it looks genuine. Yeah. I know he wasn't actually angry at Shelley Duvall, but he really pushed that, you know? Like, that those angry emotions. Like, he carried it well, I thought. And it's just... Um, man, like, it's just, I thought it was really, really well portrayed, but, yeah. Um, and, I don't know, what's your thoughts? I have mixed feelings, and, so, I understand that an actor is expected to portray emotions. I do believe that it is still a job, and... don't get me wrong, realism is great. However, mm-hmm. um, the the set is still a work environment, and the, oh yeah, the, this movie of all movies, um, it 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 was demanding both for Shelley and no, it was demanding for Shelley uh, Shelley Duvall. I do feel that this was one of those things where I feel that yeah, there wasn't any acting. And when there's not acting, it's kind of like, okay, this is a little bit – this isn't professional. Like this it's, – it's, no, it's not entertainment when it's, when it's real. It's, it's weird because you mm-hmm. want it to be real, but when it's not real and it's genuine and it's like that's – I don't know if that's – if I find that entertaining – but 
Yeah. Because they have that. So in this case. Well, because they have it well documented. I have mixed feelings about this movie. It's well acted, well produced. And Stanley Kubrick, of course. Well, I don't. It's a good movie, and I'm I'm just gonna leave it at that. But I I oh, feel yeah. I feel you got mixed feelings about uh, the way the work the work environment. Yeah. Here's another example. Yeah. So The Dark Knight, Heath Ledger, phenomenal role. However, mm-hmm. Heath Ledger, and you could find this video online. Heath Ledger was the was recorded saying that he was the first person to take off his makeup once he got off set and to me i i know there's sources online that say otherwise but to me what that meant was that heath ledger despite still being the joker despite still you know portraying this character of chaos was still professional on the set and treated the actors with respect and it's it's still a work environment um people still live in a world of morality that's, yeah. I find that commendable behavior to where you can still treat yeah your it's be professional and when the when am I action what's up oh no sorry no no you you were saying I'm just wondering if I'm missing some context no. was there something between Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall off stage well oh this is such a touchy topic because I, I um. I just don't and, know anything about it. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> now you're fine. Um, she went through a lot of, and she she just went through a lot of emotional and uh, abuse from uh, Kubrick because Kubrick, being the perfectionist that he is, wanted those genuine emotions from her. So he, he was just he was just mean to her. Ah, uh, okay. And his demands. That's unfortunate. Yeah, but. I didn't know that. Yeah, but. We huh. have The Shining, and. It is what it is. However, I, w- I will say and conclude in, in saying that I, I do f- post Dr. Phil, because she showed up on a Dr. Phil episode, mm-hmm. I think about a good five years ago. I, there, yeah, that's right. She um, she currently resides somewhere in Texas, and the people are super protective of her. And she still mm-hmm. makes, I don't know if she makes small appearances, but she's at peace with herself. The last I checked, so she's at peace with herself. She's doing fine, and I'm happy for her. Yeah, but going back to The Shining, yeah, good movie. I feel like the yeah. workplace could have been. A little bit better. A little better. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even Definitely know Definitely better. Huh. But... Oh, yeah. Yeah, Shining. For face value, good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My favorite, my favorite part was the two guys in the bedroom. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> fine. Yeah. Uh, man. If you know what I'm talking about, the, the bear and the... Okay, so you do know what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, I was going to mention a movie I wanted to... You were mentioned Dr. Sleep. Um, Dr. Strange... Dr. Oh, McGregor? Ewan McGregor. Oh, you're referring to the movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, he's, yeah. 
Oh yes, sorry. Go ahead. No, he he was just the actor in Doctor Sleep. Ah uh, yes, um, oh, yes. Uh, Doctor Strangelove, uh, and how or or how I learned to ah, uh, love the bomb. Another Kubrick classic. You ever seen that one? I have. Yes, nineteen sixty four. Man, that that is a fantastic movie. It is that. Yeah, that man. That is just. Uh, Slim Pickens, he does an amazing job of Captain uh, Kong. Just, man, like, and the worst part is the P-29 was set up to be like that. Like, the emergency kit and all that, like, man, like, it's... It's a classic. Hmm. Did you ever see Barry Lyndon? Barry Lyndon. Barry Lyndon. I might have. Uh, do you mind uh, describing a bit of it, uh, just in case? It's a... Stanley Kubrick directs it. And I think it takes place mm -hmm. in the 1800s in England. Or maybe even earlier. But it is a three-hour long movie. Probably longer Okay. And what makes it special is the lighting that was used in this movie. Um, throughout the film, Kubrick very seldom employs studio lights. So whenever there's an interior scene, there's a candlelight, and it feels like you're there with these people. It's it's kind of like right. um, a f you're following – I forgot what it was about, to be honest. But I just remember liking the acting and just following this character, Barry Lyndon grow yeah through the different yeah yeah one of my favorites uh, it kind of reminds me of like a it, i like that where they like portray this this is kind of cliche to say but it's like those first person cut scenes of like call of duty or whatever not saying like a war movie but it's like you're there kind of thing that's like you're they're trying to portray you being there in the situation at the time like in the movie or whatever um I think that's uh, basically what you're getting at, and I've I've seen those in movies um, where they try to make it like you feel like you're there at that particular moment. Um, I do like movies like that where they make it very personal, like like with you seeming like you're there at that moment, kind of thing. Um, I can always uh, I can always appreciate those sort of movies. Um, it's a good one. I'm trying to think of a, yeah, oh yeah, it's it's definitely a good one. Um, trying to think of another uh thing. Um, movies, right? Another uh, movie that. Uh, actually, you know what? Yeah, I was going to ask. What are your thoughts on silent movies? Silent movies. That is a good question. I feel that the actions from the actors really had to be emphasized because you're living mm -hmm. in a world of no sound. So a lot was left to the audience imagination. Um, I think one of the greatest um, silent actors of all, Charlie Chaplin, did an awesome yes. job in emphasizing not just his facial expressions, but his body language as well in a world where sound mm -hmm. just wasn't present. 
I think Buster Keaton was another um, phenomenal I'm, actor yes. who really not not just did body language, but did in, stunts that, by today's standards, I don't think anyone would dare approach, with the exception of a few TikTokers who do crazy things. But yeah, Sam yeah. Era was phenomenal time. It was insane. Absolutely. Another one uh, that you may or may not know that he uh, was from America, um, Harold Lloyd. Are you familiar with him? Tell me more about Harold. Harold Lloyd. Um, okay, so he was uh, in a few good movies um, in the eight, like the nineteen tens into the nineteen twenties. Uh, and he did some talk movies in the 30s, but um, there was one scene, and, like, it, I'm trying to think of the movie's name. Uh, I have it on DVD, but I'm not going to get up and go look at it. But <laughs> it was one where it was one where he was hanging. It, it was a renowned scene where he has his glasses on. And his, you know, those brim straw hats. Yes, like the one that uh, the the one that uh, uh, the snow miser wore. Uh, yes. like those. They were really popular in that time period, the nineteen tens all the way to the nineteen thirties, for men to wear. Uh, but he was wearing one of those in the scene, and you see him hanging from the hour hand, looking towards the camera. It, the clock was unwinding, right? And it was. He was actually held uh, by, okay, so across the way there was an actual crane mm -hmm. and they wanted a realistic thing so that they could just pan down the camera and look to the street below. He was hoisted and held like several hundred feet below the street but they had him secured right under his coat was like a gurney thing and Sometimes if you look in the film, you can see, like, the lighting hitting off the uh, cable. But they tried tried to hide that, obviously. But he was actually held over the street. And one of the scenes, that paid, the camera pans down to look at the street below. Uh, and it was an adjacent roof, which was conveniently near the clock tower. And it was... Man, like, the stunts that they did back then, like uh, Buster Keaton you mentioned, um, in the movie The General, you've seen that with the train? I think I may have seen a clip. Okay, he was actually laying on the, okay, you know the, the front uh, of the steam locomotives, the uh, front end where it was like the ramp to like clear debris if there was any on the tracks? They would call it the ramp, where it was like a triangle front iron part. He laid on that, on a moving locomotive, as the as like a camera in front of that was going away from the train as it was rolling forward. He was laying on that for that scene. Wow. Basically, he plays a Union spy in a the Civil War kind of movie, and he's trying to stop the Confederate train from bringing supplies. Uh, and the general, he's sent by the general to stop the train. And in that scene, he's laying there on a moving lo steam locomotive, 
and another like just close to it the camera on like this wooden platform that was had the metal wheels you know like the things where they would like on one guy on one side and they pump it and it would move down the tracks like you see in the old cartoons it was on one of those platforms the camera and it was just man you know like it's just insane you, you you couldn't get away with safety standards in movies now doing that. Like, no. just the actor himself. Like, hmm. Um, You're it, both just, the actor and he's just, stuntman. Yeah, a lot of them were back then. Uh, very few, few of them uh, had step-ins. Uh, and if they had to do a crazy scene, either they had makeshift uh, safety precautions uh, or it was like you know just they would have somebody uh, like a fake scene where it looks dangerous but it's really not it all depends on the situation the director's protocol back then uh, just just mind boggling um, trying to think of uh, yeah, if if I don't, not sure if you ever like watched a silent movie, but um, at some point you should definitely look into Harold Lloyd. He was probably one of the top three. Him, Buster Keaton, and Charlie Chaplin for sure would be the top three. Although there were actors that um, uh, moved on to doing sound films like Laurel and Hardy. But they started in the 1910s, right? Um, the same period of the silent film. Um, the Little Rascals. Uh, they started in the silent era. Uh, Shirley Temple. Uh, she started in the silent era. What then a moved legacy, into silent films. Temple. I know, right? Uh, man, she... She was uh, liked by a lot of different uh, movie stars uh, at the time, like... Walt Disney himself handed her an, an like she. She was yeah, a diplomat uh, later on in life. Yeah, according yeah, to in the eighties, I think. Oh no, she was. Uh, in the eighties, I think it was South Africa. Wherever, I, I, I think it was South Africa, but I could be wrong. Um, that's when she was married. Uh, she she was surely black at that time. Oh. Um, but yeah, she, uh, she had quite a few, uh, friends in Hollywood, uh, Walt Disney, uh, Abigail, uh, Abigail, um, Reinhardt, uh, she flew the plane, I, I'm probably butchering the name, uh, I'm trying to think of her name, she was a female pilot in the 30s, she, uh, was lost, uh, in the mountains, I'm trying to think of her name. It's not Amelia Earhart, is he? Is it? Yes, Amelia Earhart. Yeah, she was good friends with her. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, she was also friends with um, Joe DiMaggio, the baseball player. Um, yeah. And one well time in the yeah, in the 30s, she actually uh, ran into the Three Stooges. Believe it or not. And oh, they actually wow. had a lunch together. Yeah. Um, and it's just, 
she was well-rounded. Uh, and actually, did you know in 1939 she was supposed to play Dorothy in the movie Wizard of Oz? Oh, wow. Who would have known? But, she, yeah, uh, but her uh, producer wouldn't allow her to work for another movie company. She was still under contract with Fox. Yeah. Uh, and Paramount, which Paramount and Fox at the time were combined. They weren't separated yet. And MGM was like, well, could we blow her? No, sorry, she's ours. <laughs> they wouldn't allow it. So Judy Garland so got it. Judy Garland. She is ours. Yep. Wow. Just the lives people live in the... You, the, the, the people know, right? you meet in life and the play, the places people are born into... It's, I know, right? It's incredible. Wow. It's funny because uh, Shirley Temple's dad actually uh, had his tonsils removed so they could have a girl. They had three boys. Huh. Yeah, he was told that, oh, well, if you have your tonsils removed, uh, you could potentially have a son. I mean, a daughter, sorry. His doctor told him that. And ironically, uh, next time they, you know, uh, he had a daughter. Now, whether or not the tonsils played a part, I have no idea. But the doctor told him that it would. <laughs> so it's like, uh, they did a good movie portraying her life. It was extremely accurate. Um, it was called, and the person who played Shirley Temple was absolutely amazing. Like, she had to have studied her pretty closely because she sounds like her and looks like her. Wow. Um, it was called the Shirley Temple story. It was done by Walt Disney uh, Company oh. uh, in the 90s or the 80s. It was either late 80s or early 90s. Really, really good uh, portrayal of her life. Um, another movie, like, they thought, oh, well, once she grows up, nobody's going to want her in a movie. But John Ford, in 1948, asked her to come back to do another movie of, for her. And she was in a John Wayne movie with... Her, John Wayne, and Henry Fonda. Wow. Yeah. What a cast. Yeah. yeah. I know, right? You're familiar with Henry Fonda? I've seen the name. Oh, yeah. A good movie he was in was uh, 12 Angry Men from 1957. I still need to see that. I read the play, but I still need to see the movie. <clears throat> yeah, that... That was a really, really good movie. He he really gets you thinking, like, you know, how thorough is our court system, you know? Like, just just having to, like, really think it over, you know? Like, man, like, he really brings it, like, to light, like, having to really thoroughly think and not just quickly jump to a solution, and like you you see in the movie, like everyone wants to just move on with their day, so they're just gonna, you know, uh, pick any old uh, choice just so that they can move on. But he kind of makes it like you know you're playing with somebody's life here, you know. Absolutely, like, you gotta that's really the way be it sure. Be. Ideally, yeah, yeah. And most juries, like nowadays, they don't let them uh, leave until they are. 100% sure. Oh. And if it's not a majority, 
then they like if it's split and they cannot decide, they call that a hung jury. Because if it's like seven and like five, they they call that a hung jury and that's a mistrial and they have to grab a new jury. Hmm. Like it's either all say yes, guilty, or no. They can't have a majority. Right. Because they consider that unfair. Mm-hmm. But, uh... Imagine being yeah. that one guy that just disagrees with everyone. Like, honestly... I know, right? I think the guy is innocent. It's like... No, <sighs> no yeah, I know, right? I've, I've never been to jury duty, so I, I wouldn't know. Oh, man. Actually, Imagine funny having enough, to do jury duty. Funny enough, um... And this mm-hmm. is complicated. I'm not going to give all the details, but on my last week of my apartment lease, I got a letter saying, like, hey, come to jury duty. And I was like, it just mm-hmm. had to be the last week of this city that I was living in. And it was it was a d- know, different right? zip code. So I'm like – so I wrote them a letter. I'm like, hey, in order for me to go – I would have to travel an uh, an hour to be here. I I wouldn't be in the city. Plus, I worked in the day. And but by the end of it, it was kind of like, okay, we we understand. You're you're good. We'll we'll find someone else. But oh yeah, I I just thought it was funny how like it. I could have received that letter at any time during while I was in the but, city, but I moved so I could be closer I to know, work. Right? So I I, I yeah, I thought it was funny. I, I turned it down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But imagine, though, getting all fancy in that suit and tie <laughs> from uh, going to court. Heck, yeah. I like... just – I don't know why, but I just imagine you, like, when they uh, say the jury's going to adjourn for, uh, you know, decision – and just stand up, JoJo pose in the courtroom, <laughs> just right in front of him, just like, oh man, I what don't know why, but I could see you doing it. JoJo pose. <laughs> it's just like, everyone stops and looks at you like, it's like mm. oh, this guy could have said no. <laughs> I could see it just like, Ace Attorney in the freaking jury room just oh, yeah, just <laughs> slamming your fists on the table. Imagine. Well, I think he's kind of yeah, just like freaking. I think he's gonna get an objection. Just slamming the fist on the table, just like yes. Oh no, but yeah, um. I'll be right back. Just going to talk about, okay? Actually, you know what? Um, we could actually end the podcast right here. I think. Oh, sure. Covered a lot. Um, yeah. Thank you for your time. Um, yeah, not a problem. I really enjoyed this conversation, and thank you for telling me about actors and movies and technology and who knows what the future may hold. I think. Yeah. It's going to be a very exciting time. So. Thank you again yeah, of course. for your time and everything. Hey, no problem. Glad to do it. Grandma? <laughs>